0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker.
1: What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott. Repeat, my co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you stopping by for another edition of the rebel report podcast i'm just giving up on saying the date but it is Mailback friday the people's it is the 17th of april okay that's actually it's gone by quicker and it seems like uh so i saw tate Reeves this morning extended the shelter in place for seven more days uh i think oxford had like 10 more days but if it's uh if it's it seems like we're starting to reopen things at the end of the month so like you hear light at the end of the tunnel all the time uh I would like to get to May and see what happens, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are doing that. Um, Just the more I read, for example, I saw that, what was it, Delaware? No, it was New Hampshire, right? That is um, in talks with the NHL about uh, coming to their state to do the bubble there. Um, I saw last night a Yahoo story about um, the NBA taking over Disney World because Disney World has the the facilities as far as basketball goes they have i think 8 courts that or like court facilities that would be adequate for NBA games and they have the hotel space and i mean they literally are like in a walled in bubble uh to where that is potentially the most likely option um it's crazy. So the, the more we get through this and Tate Reeves this morning uh, announced that the shelter in place order is going to last for another week because yesterday the White House released the guidelines to, to start your economy back. And they're pretty strict. I mean, you've got to have 14 consecutive days of of decrease before you can start phase one of three in unraveling your economy. So, things are starting to move in that direction, and so you're starting to get more and more sports news as far as, like, not just pie-in-the-sky ideas, but more concrete, like, things are actually in motion here.
1: Yeah, hell yeah, whatever. I'm all for it. I just, it feels like if we can get through these last 13 days, I think there's 30 days in April, and then get to uh, May. 30 days seems like we'll start
0: September. April. Yeah, April.
1: Yeah, so I think we'll get to kind of finally start not getting back to normal, but stuff being opened up and you not being trapped in your house 100% of the time, which is always good. But we've got a bunch of stuff for you today. Uh, Mailbag questions lacking, again. uh, COVID-19 has uh, destroyed many things, and Mailbag Friday is in its crosshairs right now, too. I have gotten a bunch of people that be like, I can't listen at my normal time. I don't check social media at the normal time. Uh, For those of you who stuck around and listened and submitted questions, I appreciate it. Hopefully, you will all be back in your... Uh, normal routine sooner than later, and we can get back with the long list of absurd mailbag Friday questions that people send in. But we do still have some. We've got some other topics to cover. Ole Miss got a commitment from a four-star wide receiver out of Nashville. Kermit Davis had a press conference uh, to discuss. You know, Yesterday was technically the signing period for uh, for. Right. What do they call it? Is it the spring or summer signing period for basketball? Whatever the second one Hell, is. Hell,
0: I don't know, man. It
1: was yesterday. And so Robert Allen and Dementio Vaughn, the two transfers we had talked at length about, uh, officially inked yesterday. Matthew Morell inked in the fall. Uh, you know, Kermit Davis got asked point blank if they're finished uh, adding, and he kind of said, left it open to, you know, we're never finished adding. I can tell you that they are 100% looking at adding something else and are 100% not, I guess... I don't want to say they're not done because there is a chance that this roster comes into the season like pretty much the way it is, barring the one, two guys they have to leave now. Um, Because there is one development I want to get to with the kid that I think is going to end up showing up to campus, but I'm not 100% sure a kid that they signed late in the process out of Florida. But anyway, I'm just saying they're probably not done adding, or at least they're going to try to add more. So anyway... We got a bunch of stuff. I don't know where we should start, but I will go ahead and uh, pay the bills here. Remind you, go to uh, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. I'm probably going to pop in there today, and uh, we've got great weather. I believe Friday and Saturday. I know Sunday is uh, supposed to get kind of hairy once again. I hope not too bad because we uh, we don't need another yeah. Not as bad. bad
0: At least the early forecast is not as. serious as last Sunday. So hopefully that sticks.
1: Yeah, that is uh, that is certainly good. But good weather Friday and Saturday. Go see Greg. If you're in the Oxford area, go throw something on the grill. You want to enjoy the weather. You want to enjoy it responsibly uh, with this social within the social distancing guidelines. Grilling is a perfect way to do so. He's got grill packs, steaks, custom cuts, all kinds of sausages, uh, all kinds of different cuts of meat. I would encourage you to go to LB's Twitter page and scroll through the just delicious-looking uh, cuts of meat Meat that greg is regularly posting on there but you can find something in there that you're going to think is delicious so please go see greg lb's university avenue across from kroger anyway i guess we'll just start with the couple mailbag questions we got and then uh and then we'll go from there this first one i got is actually a really interesting question uh something non twitter poll related he starts it with i appreciate that we'll i guess get to that in a minute do you think the end of baseball gave John Rice Plumley a better chance to start at quarterback?
0: It's a really good question. I think because of the circumstances, no. Only, I mean, it doesn't give anybody a leg up. It's not like he's at a disadvantage. I mean, if anything, it's more equal because nobody's able to work one-on-one with Kiffin right now. You know, I mean, they are all available to get playbook and video instruction and I think the NCAA approved more of that so they can get all their instruction but when it comes down to uh, what Plumlee needs to improve on and I I assume that he's working on his own I know he worked with the quarterback guru recently and but it's more like reps and experience for him and if you're not playing ball there's only so much you can do with a quarterback guy with a football on a stick you know to improve as a passer i think not having spring practice um is going to hurt him more than it would say a corral or a tisdale so it's kind of a wash really i guess that's a really long way to say i don't think it helps or hurts anybody because the circumstance is so unique we don't really have any idea how it's going to affect one player or the other
1: okay so i uh i kind of did the same thing this was a great question because it really made me think when i got it and uh My original answer was yes, and then I said no, and then I went back to yes. So the way I arrived on yes is clearly uh, him not playing baseball, and I guess like I don't necessarily know what he's focusing on right now. I don't think you can do a whole lot. It's got to be football. Yeah, exactly, because that's the next thing on the horizon, the next thing coming. So I originally thought no. I, I mean, excuse me. Originally thought yes because of that, but then I was like, well. No one else is out there, so no one's really creating separation, so it's really just all from square one. But the reason I decided on yes, if this corona thing had not had happened, he would have been at baseball while Ole Miss had spring practice, while the other two kids were getting a leg up. So that's how I settled on yes. This corona thing, I think keeping things all equal and keeping things the same as they were you know, since before this happened, March 11th or whatever day the world stopped and things started getting canceled – but, like, I, but like, all things being equal helps him because I don't think he would have left the spring all things being equal if he had continued to play baseball, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't even know if I answered it well. I think I just kind of rambled a little bit. But him not having to play baseball right now is – I'm sure it helps, but they they can't do anything, you know? I don't know what to think about it. It's a, it's a really good question. I, I think what it comes down to, though, with Plumlee is, is reps on – um, like, even his pocket awareness wasn't great. And, of course, I mean, he was a true freshman playing quarterback in the SEC. Like, what do you expect? It to be just world-class? No, probably not. But it was little things like that. But I said this uh, on the Sunday show the other day, and I think it bears repeating. I spent the entire football season every Sunday for two hours talking about this offense with this quarterback is not going to work. And I had – I mean, there were people – even all the way up to the athletic department that were um, upset at that concept because like, oh, well, they ran for however many yards against LSU, ignoring all the context around that game. And every Sunday it was the same thing. When they went, when they played Auburn, what happened? When they played Missouri, what happened? When they played Texas A&M, what happened? When they went to Mississippi State, what happened? That offense set him up for failure. So... I think I need to revise my take on Plumlee a little bit. I think he can be a successful college quarterback. Of course he has things to work on. He was a true freshman, a dual sport athlete, true freshman at that. So it's not like what he was last year will be what he forever is. I I don't think anybody can rule him out when you now seemingly have competence at the top of your program. A. a, a I'm still mind-blown that Rich Rodriguez, in some capacity, allowed last year to happen the way it did. I I can't believe that, but it happened. It was incompetently run last year. They didn't put him in positions to succeed whatsoever, and so, myself included, I think people have formulated the opinion that he can't play quarterback, and I think he wasn't allowed to show you what he can do most of the time. He's got to, he has to improve in the passing game. He's not accurate enough. Are you okay?
1: Yeah, my roommate's dog is acting nuts. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, he needs to get better throwing
0: the football. Needs to get better in the pocket. The, those kind of things. But I don't think we know how, how good he is yet because of how terrible it was run last year. So I need to advise my st- or revise my stance on that. The offense wasn't going to work the way they were running it last year. I think that's clear as day. But I don't think that means that Plumlee cannot win a starting job this year and run Kiffin's offense to effectiveness. We have no idea whether or not he can because it was run left, run right, roll out right, throw the ball in the dirt, three and out for most of last season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like I said, I just think all things being equal is an infinitely better situation and an infinitely better scenario than – the, like, all this being a wash and them not having spring practice and them not having a baseball season, like, it's going to work to his benefit, I think, because, like I said, if, if everything had played out as normal, I think he would have been behind the eight ball. I think that's kind of what everyone was talking about uh, going in. it's like, why he's playing baseball, will this affect him in football, how much football can he actually get in while playing baseball, that type of thing i do think you were starting to see the lineup cement a little bit in baseball and those two remember lane kiffin did have that press conference on signing day where he was like it's going to be a give and take type of thing to where if they're really in the lineup every day then they're going to focus on baseball if they're not really playing that much they're going to come over and do more football so i think the latter was going to happen i mean it, it seemed that way unless my memory is off uh That it was that was seemingly kind of going to happen. So I just wonder how much football that would have meant, even if he weren't in the starting lineup in baseball all the time. And and he, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? And he and like he was able to come do more football. How much is more? And like how close would that have been to equal? I still don't think it would have been the same. So I just think everything being awash and nobody getting reps and everything still being brand new because they don't know what they have and really know much about what they have in these quarterbacks. They can watch old film. But that's not them running their system, and right. And, and the and same le- thing
0: that I just said about Plumlee, I think applies to Corral as well. I don't think Matt Corral was put in the best positions to succeed last year. So if your take is, oh, he sucks too, or oh, he's the best quarterback on roster, I don't think we know the answer to that either.
1: Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree with that as well. So like, I don't. So I just think it's going to help him because I think another part of this is like, what quarterback is going to like Plumlee? I think would benefit more. From there having limited reps like this is going like there's going to be a scarcity of, of data or sample size Whatever you want to call it amongst these quarterbacks competing for the job because even if football starts on time It's going to be abbreviated I mean at best you have a somewhat normal fall camp and then a season that's not very long like that's not very That's not a lot of reps. That's not a lot of sample size and I just wonder with the guy like Plumley who is dynamic with both his arm and his feet. The lack of like I wonder if the the scarcity of uh of data, scarcity of reps that they have on each of these guys will help a guy like Plumley, who does have some inaccuracies and has some flaws, but when it comes down to it, just kind of has some playmaking ability. Does that make sense at all? That makes perfect sense.
0: I mean, and don't forget, Lane Kiffin's run offenses with quarterbacks that are not elite passers and done so successfully.
1: You don't have I mean, you don't have to have You've seen it in college football a thousand times. You don't have to have an elite passer, like, period, to run an offense. The guy just has to be confident. Like, yeah. I'd put it like he has to be slightly a click above Nick Fitzgerald, kind of, as a passer. Like, because Mullen would have won a, a, an ass load of games with Nick Fitzgerald in 2018. And he was not a good passer at all. And I would say Plumlee's probably a little better passer than Nick Fitzgerald was already. So, like, if you can get around that mark, like, and you have that elite foot speed, of course, you can be really good. Like, you can run a Somewhat traditional college offense, if there's even such a thing these days, and not be an absolutely, you know, and not be a, and just if you're not a terrible passer, you can run a college offense competently. So I, just I remember one. Is sorry. the shortened deal gonna? No, you're good. I'm just gonna throw it to you. Is the shortened deal gonna help him? Like, is this gonna end up helping him in terms of just winning the job? Because, like, I mean, like, if it comes down to it, you got like you know three weeks of practice, whatever and then all of a sudden it's game time like who are you going to lean on the kid that can kind of run and throw and is kind of a proven playmaker like it just that seems to me would be the easier answer if you have the lack of sample size maybe i'm wrong
0: no and it, i guess it'll all depend on when they're allowed to start practicing again because if they get like some kind of OTA before fall camp that is the same length as spring practice i know it's all pushed together but still at I mean, we'll see. But that's a really good point and well thought out. I was going to quickly interject and say on the Nick Fitzgerald front, I remember uh, when I was told by somebody in the media that I need to stop saying that Nick Fitzgerald is not a good passer because I never played the game at a high level and I don't know what I'm
1: watching. (laughs) Nick Fitzgerald, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know who that was. I legitimately don't know who that was. But (laughs) I love the uh, you never played, you can't talk about it defense. It's like, well... You've never done taxes, so you can't talk about your taxes, bro.
0: Exactly. So, And then Nick Fitzgerald ended up being a backup in the XFL as quarterback. He's a hell of an athlete and decent kid as far as I know. I mean, good kid, but um, no, couldn't throw the football well, like ever. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess I won that one. But what do I know? I don't know football since I never played.
1: Yeah, that's the worst defense ever, but it's like, you're never an accountant, so you can't talk about taxes. Like, or you were never, never the
0: president, so you can't criticize Trump, you know? Yeah,
1: that logic just doesn't work out very well. But anyway, I do think – I think what I finally settled on is this is going to help John Rice Plumlee. I, I have a better chance to play quarterback in the fall. That is, a, that is what I have settled on. Let's see. The uh, – the, really the only other like, – oh, I had a Twitter mailbag question – uh, I don't know if I can share this on the air but I uh, actually I'm 100% not going to but uh I am not here like I am not a I'm not a uh I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm not Dr. Phil. Please do not send me questions asking for uh for Tinder advice. I got oh, I'll a shot of a change. Bring it <laughs> on. <laughs> it's not <laughs> 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 It's more of a matter of of who this is and not the pickup line and a predicament. Like it's less about the exchange and more about who it is. But basically the guy was like, should I play out the string with this? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm going to get myself in trouble talking about this. Uh, so I am not the one to go to for dating advice, but uh, keep doing what you're doing, I guess, would be my advice with that. Um, <laughs> it is the – neat anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to incriminate myself even further – uh, the rest of the mailbag questions pretty much we've gotten have pertained to uh, some Twitter poll that is between two baseball stadiums. Uh, let's see. It is a Twitter account called College Baseball Nation that apparently did a bracket-style challenge. That is very original. I wish I had thought of that myself. Of
0: I still think college- we need to do the bracket of brackets Yeah, and I'm just down. really bracket- galaxy brain it.
1: The bracket-style challenges of your favorite Internet bracket-style challenges. Uh, my first one would be uh, a one seed, and I don't know who else fills out the bracket, is a one seed of state, it's like statewide uh, sports media personalities. People get real into that, and they're high horse on that. So if we're doing the bracket challenge of bracket challenges, that is the number one overall seed coming out of the East region uh, 100%. But anyway, this was a... Pierce is—is this over? Who is there? Has there been a winner? It's not
0: over yet. No, the finals has been two days, which has uh, led to a lot of conspiracies and angry people online. Um,
1: I'm tired of being tagged in this. Is what I'm saying.
0: (sighs) Yeah, I hear you. And what I can't figure
1: out—actually,
0: what am I saying? I absolutely know where this comes from, but I'll say this, and we'll get into it a little bit. If the results of the college baseball NAT Twitter bracket for best stadium tournament gives you a negative emotional reaction, you should seriously look in the mirror and evaluate your life, especially right now. Like of all times to have emotional reactions to things when there's a global pandemic, we have political leaders talking about opening the states again especially like credentialed, air quotes, media people, if you have an emotional negative reaction to the results of an online Twitter poll to the point where you scream conspiracy, you need to look hard in the mirror and evaluate your life because that is the saddest thing I've ever... This is embarrassing for so many people. It's a freaking Twitter poll. And, I mean, Rippy, people are actually like angry about the prospect of people buying votes on this. Like, why do you care? And there, I'm sure there are people v- buying votes because there's a hundred thousand of them now. So why are you spending your money on that? Get a life. And why are you mad that people are spending your money on that? What you should do is sit back and laugh and think, wow, it's a, like, there are people rip you when this poll ends later today, there's two hours left that will sleep better tonight when their team wins this poll?
1: Yeah, so I guess to set the table a little bit for this, if, for those of you that are not on Twitter, not on the internet, and not privy to the thing, dumb things that happen on there regularly, there's the Twitter poll. I guess this is some bracket-style tournament. Uh, Duty Field, the home of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and their scoreboard uh, squared off against... Ole Miss, and Swayze Field. So, one, well, this was going to be an abject disaster from the start of it because if there's one collection of people that act like just complete assholes on the Internet all the time and act like children, it is people that get involved with the Egg Bowl. I'm long-winded way saying Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans. And so now I'm being tagged in things that are saying that, uh, let's see. So there's been accusations. I'm still trying to figure this out myself. There's been accusations of buying bots to buy buy votes for this Twitter poll. Is that a possibility? Can you do that? How do you buy bots?
0: So it turns out you can. Uh, When I first saw the conspiracy that that was happening out there, I tweeted uh, that I spent $500 in Bitcoin in a Russian bot farm to rig the election. And there are people that actually think that I did that. So, yeah, I guess you can.
1: Okay. So there's out people saying the other fan base, I guess, is buying bots. I can't believe this is a content item and we're talking about this, but whatever, there's nothing going on. Um, I guess my uh, official stance would be on this is one, why would you sp- spend your cold, hard earned money on votes on the internet poll? And why would you, two, why would you care if someone else spent their own money on a college baseball Twitter poll? I guess what I- my official stance is who gives a shit? Rippy, like
0: it would blow your mind how many this. people care. And here's the thing. like Winning or losing this poll doesn't change the fact that Mississippi State spent more money on their baseball stadium than anybody in college baseball. The place is beautiful. You have a great stadium. It's the best in the sport. So do you really need a poll to tell you that? And by the way, Ole Miss has a great stadium. It's one of the best in the sport. It's very nice. It's a great place. It's an incredible place to watch baseball games. But they didn't spend $70 million on it. Mississippi State did. That's like saying the uh, Colonial Life Arena in Columbia isn't as nice as the Pavilion and people getting mad about that. Well, of course it's not. One's newer. One's nicer. They're both really good places to watch basketball games. So who gives a shit like you said? But why do you need a poll to tell you that? Like if you lost the poll, it doesn't mean anything. Everybody knows that you have the gold standard in college baseball right now. No results of any poll from a random-ass website that I've never heard of until this poll happened can change the fact that you have the gold standard baseball stadium in college baseball.
1: So why do you give a shit? I can't figure it out. (laughs) So I think I may be breaking maybe a huge nude scoop here, but I believe the poll is over. I don't believe you can continue to vote because I just went on to try to – See if you could still vote. I don't I think it's over. I think uh congrats to Mississippi State uh on winning it. It appears they won it with fifty four point something percent to forty five point something percent. So uh it appears we have a winner.
0: Dude, it's telling me there's two hours left.
1: Oh, so you can still vote? Maybe my computer's Wait, messed
0: well, up. Oh that says Yeah, this is saying two hours left for me.
1: Uh well. Okay, well, go get out those credit cards and buy more votes. I don't. Uh, I don't care. I'm tired of being tagged in this. I is not my job to promote uh, one school or the other or their s- facilities. Uh, and even if it were, I probably wouldn't do it because I don't care. This is incredibly stupid, and uh, we need sports back. A credentialed like
0: media happen. member, a credentialed quote media member, called it a joke in the mentions after Ole Miss took over. The lead for a little while. Like, oh, now it's a joke? Like, it, it took this to
1: make it a joke and not the fact that,
0: oh, man, I just.
1: Anyway. It's almost like people don't see the fact that uh, the entire joke, and I bet, guarantee the two gentlemen behind this poll probably think the majority of the joke is people getting up in arms about it and oh, rushing bots ass, being thrown Their ass is the off.
0: Yeah, like they have this. Uh, like, pull up the link to their website. It's a website, but it's um, it, they're clearly guys doing this as a hobby uh, to to be. I'm not being mean. I don't think it's just. It's not like D1Baseball.com. It's a it's a website. They are getting more traffic and notoriety out of this than than they ever could have imagined. This is brilliant on their part, and I bet Johnny Omaha and Kyle. McKelvey, are laughing their asses off at everybody right now.
1: Johnny Omaha, that's a sick name. But yeah, so basically what we've decided <laughs> from this point, Oh, he has
0: his real name on here, John Peters, but his handle is Johnny Omaha.
1: Okay. I know. I thought his name might be Johnny Omaha. That's pretty solid to be covering college baseball and your name being Johnny Omaha. But point being...
0: Give me one I think second.
1: What we've decided here is if you want to expand your marketing brand uh, just... Uh, just find some way to lob a grenade in the dipshittery that is Egg Bowl twitter and uh, get someone incentive to come to your page because of it like say a Twitter poll, and your brand will expand at the idiocy idiocy of the people in this state so that is uh that's apparently what these guys have figured out so that is a uh, hell of a marketing niche anyway I don't know what we're talking about here this is <laughs> this is this is absurd anyway, let's move on. oh Miss got a commitment from. Why do, why do you want
0: to move on? Hold on. Why do you want to move on? This is really important. Our very I, ideals are at stake here, Rippy.
1: Yeah, this just, it, it, I guess we could spend two hours until the poll closes tallying votes and being like that guy on CNN and the guy that they have on Fox as well. That uh, honestly, one of the jobs I respect the most is breaking down each county of individual states and like how it's swaying the vote. If you just, on election nights, those guys are so good at their job. I, I can't remember the guy's name on CNN and Fox, but uh, do you know what I'm hey, talking over? about? The pollsters. The dudes that get on the little touch screen on election night. Yeah. And they can literally break oh, down Oh, I think you were talking about
0: one like, individually.
1: Uh, uh, well, like, like Fo- it's, it's kind of like bracketologists. Like, Fox has one. CNN has one. I'm sure MSNBC has one. Like, I watch all of the networks to some degree. Just those poster guys that break down, like, how each county is voting and all of that and, like, how it's swaying the election. Those dudes are good at their job. Shout out to them. But I am not going to do that for this college baseball. Why not,
0: role. Rippy? This is important. This is really important.
1: I, uh, I, uh, I am just I, 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 I would go. I could get coaxed into going into on a rant, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm just,
0: trying to do it. I, w- and, I want uh, you to to go down I, this road with me.
1: I have railed on Twitter and the internet and what it does to people's brains and their behavior enough times on this podcast that uh, I'm going to uh, to holster this one for another day. Unfortunately, anyway. Ole Miss gets a commitment from four-star receiver Adonde Mitchell, Adonnie Mitchell, excuse me, uh, 2021 wide receiver out of Nashville had a pretty impressive offer sheet that included places uh, like Auburn, Georgia, LSU, uh, Tennessee. Uh, there's some other non-SEC schools in here, but I was just Arkansas. I was just rolling through the SEC schools in here, and uh, a definite position of need for Lane Kiffin. I know it's like the big phrase to use every time they get a recruit. Crew, but Ole Miss has quickly gone from uh, very old and very experienced at the receiver's position to very young and very inexperienced in just a matter of years. You saw that last year with uh, – I'll go back and look up the numbers, but the staggering drop-off and production after Elijah Moore to basically no one else aside from Elijah Moore as a wide receiver was a consistent factor in Ole Miss's offense last year. So anytime they can land a high-profile receiver – uh, with a offer sheet like that, I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about the kid. He's a junior out of Nashville. had 50 catches, 6'2", 190 pounds. Big, long, lanky, wide-bodied receiver. Or big-bodied receiver, I should say. And like uh, these, these are the kind of like recruits Ole Miss needs in terms of the receiver position because like they don't really trust Ontario Drummond. Don't really probably trust DeMarcus Gregory. Anyone not named Elijah Moore is kind of a wild card at this point. I do think they have some talent on the position. It's just as we talked about a couple of times, this stuff like this has come up regarding the passing game and the receivers. The offense was so atrocious last year; like the quarterbacks were unable to throw the ball. They didn't have guys getting separation. I just am, am of the opinion and of the stance right now: you don't really know what they had at wide receiver uh, last year just because they they like the offense didn't really show it. And part of that's the receivers not creating separation, not getting open. But I do think there's some talent on this roster. I just don't know. I just don't know how much and what that ends up looking like. So this is a good get for Ole Miss. They like they're going to need to stockpile talented receivers again.
0: They and Hugh Freeze deserves some credit, but they, it also happened uh, before him a little bit anyway, as well. Uh, Ole Miss built a brand with talented receivers, uh, having successful college careers and making it to the NFL wide receiver. You like they were about to stake a claim on that. And if the previous regime returns, it would have been destroyed in four years. Destroyed. And not even in four years, really. Really just like two years. Because you still had uh holdover with Brown and, and Metcalf from the previous staff.
1: Yeah, no, the, I a hundred percent agree. Uh uh Jake Peeler deserves pretty good credit as you know, we got you got into that phase of uh of uh, props on the sidelines, like you had the Miami turnover chain, and then all these other schools started doing these corny props. Well, Peeler, I'll never forget the day he came in and brought in the belt, and it's like, ah ha ha! This is one of these another stupid corny uh, like celebration props. But they really did a good job branding the nasty wideouts and wide receiver you and all of that. And like you said, it started with Hugh Freeze, but I think Peeler deserves a decent amount of credit for taking that to the next level. And like you know. The, everyone knew who A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and DeMarcus Lodge were because they were good receivers. But I think Peeler did a good job ma- marketing the whole nasty wide thing. And that being the focal point of the offense and all that. I think uh, he probably didn't quite get enough credit for that. I think he did a hell of a job doing that.
0: He did. They just didn't win enough games for, for most people to notice. I mean, you remember most of the NFL season last year was, how the hell did Ole Miss only win five games with these guys? It's Nobody noticed how good Dawson, Dawson was knocks
1: it. there for good measure. The, every time he caught a ball for the Bills,
0: oh, <laughs> uh, it's just unbelievable that he, in his rookie year, caught more touchdowns in one NFL game than he did in his college career. Um, Another
1: way of framing that is, it was his first touchdown since high school. Yeah, I mean, holy hell!
0: Uh, I just wow, but. That was the problem. He did such a good job marketing it, but nationally didn't get much play because they weren't winning games. It just—it sucked all around, but they they have this brand. They can still build off of it, and they can still recruit to it. I imagine that Lane Kiffin and staff used A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, even Treadwell. I mean, Treadwell was a first-round pick. I know his NFL career hasn't worked out. He got drafted to a team that had a load of wide receivers. Maybe Atlanta's uh, his next step, but still, NFL wide receiver – Dante Moncree, NFL wide receiver. Go all the way back to Mike Wallace. I mean, Ole Miss has a, a history now of putting dudes in the NFL, and then most recently, the most recognizable ones killed it in their rookie year. They're using that to their advantage, and I cannot believe – I can believe it because it happened, but I'm just still blown away that the previous staff did not even try to capitalize on that and continue building an offense around elite wide receivers. Because that worked for Hugh Freeze. That wanted Ole Miss, throwing the ball around, being fast physical, big, wide receivers that they had. And they just wanted to, to tear that all down to run the football in the SEC with not as good athletes in the trenches as your opponents most of the time. Just mind-blowing.
1: There were a couple guys that also didn't translate as quickly. But, like, the last couple of years, they just... And part of it's the NCAA stuff, I'd imagine. But they just haven't been able to recruit the same caliber of receiver. And you got to think, some of this, the odds of another DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown together coming out of the same class is very very slim as well they also capitalize on two generational talents at wide receiver being sure. in their own backyards but what, what what's For
0: them though you of, still had that it's just with the way they ran offense last year you have no i mean jonathan mingo could be that guy oh he just never got the
1: opportunity i guess where i'm, I'm kind of taking this or piggyback off of what you're saying is like how long does this uh because like, there's going to be a lull. Obviously, they're not putting any dudes in the league this year. They're not really going to put any dudes in the league probably next year. Well, actually, Elijah Moore, if he has a big year as a junior, could go. But like, how long is this drop-off? Do they start recruiting at a high level again and kind of recoup this brand? Or does this wide receiver you think just kind of become a distant memory? Because like, there's going to be a lull here where they aren't putting guys in the league because they just haven't recruited the same caliber of receiver. They had a couple what seems to be possibly could be recruiting misses, probably still a little too early for most of these guys, to say, like, how how far is the drop-off? Can they start recruiting at that this level again and do the whole wide receiver you thing, or is that just kind of a thing of the past? That will be what be interesting to watch uh, kind of going forward. But position and need, this kid seems like a pretty high-profile kid, a four-star um, I mean, it's a good pickup. I don't know what else to say about an April commitment amidst a pandemic.
0: Let's see. So it, I'm, there may not be that much of a lull. Um, well, it, it's projecting some, but, uh, I mean, Elijah Moore could be an NFL receiver. He's got the skill set to do it. I mean, he's not a big-bodied outside guy, but uh, you roll him in the slot or at the flex, and he has a future in the NFL. He's athletic enough.
1: Definitely, um, but give me one after him
0: mingo would be the next one i guess um maybe braylon sanders gets picked up it's obviously not the same but i mean if that was he had a boy joe found his way year. on a roster braylon sanders could find his way on a roster too
1: that was another big one last last year the braylon sanders not being healthy like he was pretty much the only experienced guy they had because remember elijah moore wasn't considered. I mean, he had a decent freshman year, but considering him an experienced guy is a little bit of a stretch. Them not having Braylon Sanders for most of the last year because he couldn't get healthy was a huge loss. They kind of just slid by the wayside or maybe got undershadowed a little bit just because there were so many other issues and so many other storylines. But that was a big loss because he's a good, productive receiver that they didn't have.
0: For sure. So it, they, they'll they have some frontline talent at that position this year, just very little depth, at least uh, talented depth, it seems. Uh, I mean, what happens if, um, oh gosh, the guy that was going to transfer, but he decided not to, um, not the guy from South Carolina, the other one, Miles Battle. Um, I mean, he was a, a high-profile recruit himself. So what, what happens if he actually plays to what he was expected to. I mean, there's a chance that they're, it's a pretty talented group. I think
1: a hundred percent. I just don't know what they have in them. Like you haven't been able to see Nobody it. And does at, certain, at, yeah, at a certain point, this crop that was like the wave that are kind of now becoming sort of upperclassmen, the Gregory's the miles battles of the world. Like it, it's kind of like put up or shut up. Like now you kind of got to see it or it's probably just never going to happen. So anyway, I don't know. Good pickup for Ole Miss and uh, we'll continue to monitor that. You had the Kermit Davis press conference yesterday, as I teased at the beginning of the show. Really, not a whole lot to be learned. He talked a little bit about how you know he he, he believes DaVinci Vaughn and Robert Allen, though Robert Allen right now technically cannot play next year. Um, I think they're leaving the possibility open that you could have the loosening of the transfer rules, and he could be eligible next year. But for right now, he's your traditional transfer. He's going to sit out a year, and he is going to uh, be eligible in 2021 or. Yeah, 2021, excuse me, unless something changes. But he just kind of talked about how he believes that guys like Vaughn, guys like Allen, are going to make them a tougher team next year. You know, he was... He had a... I'd have to go back and listen one more time, and I should have written this down, but he had a really telling, interesting quote about recruiting dudes that were tough that really just kind of, in your classic Kermit Davis way, basically being like, yeah, last year's team was soft as as baby, you know what? Like, it, it just... like. Like He he was basically calling out the fact that last year's team was soft, and he was trying to convey a message that they're going to get tougher and they were going to recruit tougher kids, and I found that to be interesting. But not a whole lot to be learned aside from that. Like I mentioned earlier, they said they're probably not done adding. Uh, They're always going to be looking. I think he didn't mention this, but I I think there's a particular guy or two in mind uh, that they want to add in the front court that is going to be eligible next year, I believe. So... You've got two roster spots at this point that uh, has that to be uh, – like you, they basically got two guys and two few scholarships. Like two guys have to go because a relative unknown, a kid out of Florida, signed yesterday with them that they had committed. I'd heard mixed things about whether he was actually going to show up and be there uh, and sign, uh, and this kid's name is escaping me right now. And, of course, I had it pulled up a second ago.
0: This is what happens when you turn all your focus onto a online Twitter poll.
1: Yeah, this is terrible podcasting. I just completely blanked up. Hold on.
0: Well, in the meantime, we can talk about how important it is uh, to. Excuse vote me, Marcus. In this Twitter knee poll. B-
1: knee Black is a. Uh, f- he was a guard out of Florida at uh, six one, uh, Kermit said that there's still some academic things that he's working through but he, he was kind of the guy that no one like no one was really talking about like I, I'd almost forgotten that he was in the class and that he was committed and he signed yesterday so like he as of right now they're trying to get him to campus so that we were talking about on Wednesday being having one spot open and one guy having to go uh it actually seems like there's going to be two like that and you could probably guess who they are but it's interesting just because there's a third that means that there's going to be, I mean, you're going to see major roster attrition, like more so than you already have. So they have, at least publicly, they have, you know, two more guys than scholarships right now and uh, just kind of something to monitor going forward. But that was really all I took out of his press conference uh, yesterday, aside from, he did get asked, like, what he thinks about the college basketball season, and He obviously I mean, this is kind of obvious, but he was like, I don't think we're going to have college basketball, college football until college football starts and starts on time. Uh, He did think that college basketball uh, could be detrimented by college football, kind of, I guess, leaking into their time, leaking into their time. Like if you have a college football season that lasts into the winter and spring. And he was like, would you do a thing where maybe you play college basketball games on Sunday and, you know, the obviously the football on Saturday and all of that, like just kind of spitballing a bunch of ideas. But he definitely, like everyone else, seemed kind of uncertain. And uh, but he was—he definitely kind of mentioned that you know, unless football starts and kind of starts regularly, then he doesn't think there's going to be college basketball. Not necessarily profound, but it's interesting to just kind of see you know, college basketball coaches starting to be affected and worried about this.
0: I have a feeling that if college football cannot start in the year 2020 then it may not start at all. Here's why. Because what do you do with 2021? Are you really going to have a season that ends in April and then start another one in August?
1: Yeah, I mean it's inter- it's an interesting thought because I just I don't I mean there'd have to be some kind of finagling and a gradual process to get you back to normal. I don't know how they do that. I think there's too much money at stake again to just not play the games. But like you mentioned, if you go later and it doesn't start on time, then like what does that look like? And like how do you like yeah. how do you and, get it back to the normal time? I don't know. I think it'd be a gradual process. I think college football would not be quote unquote uh, normal for quite a few years. Uh, and you're not going like, to get it without fans.
0: And, and credit to Paul Feinbaum, I think he nailed this. And I, I, I think Paul's fine. I, I think his show and that shtick is obnoxious. I don't know how people listen to it, but you know, kudos to him for finding a niche and making millions off of it. I guess the joke's on me. He nailed it. He was on Get Up, I think it was yesterday, and he said that college football will not play without fans in the stands and full campuses. He said, because the second they do that, it's not they're not amateurs anymore. The second you you decide to play football when your campus is closed and without fans, Strictly for TV money, they are not amateurs anymore. And it will ruin college football as we know it. And I think he's exactly right. If they do that, the NFL can do it because, as we all know, they are a business and open about it. They don't try to hide behind some thin veil of amateurism. It's a business. The NBA, Major League Baseball, PGA Tour, it's all business. College football pretends like it's not. And they have rules in place that treat them like it's not. We all know that's bullshit, but that's how it's currently set up. The second they play games on a closed campus without fans in the stands, it's no longer amateur athletics. It's a business, and it would, it would change the sport forever. And so they're not going to do it. I think he's exactly right when he says that.
1: I agree, but it's interesting that it's just completely – because they could do it if they wanted to, but it's just completely an optics thing. It's a bad look is basically what you're saying. Cause there's nothing like, they, like, no, there's nothing stopping
0: them from doing it other than everybody it's a terrible
1: would... look and amateurism would basically be dead at that point. It's already right. dead. Who are we kidding? But like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're saying the same thing. It, it's fascinating. I, I don't think they'd end up doing it either. Cause I think it's just such an awful look. And like, if you're going to preserve any kind of last, just thin veil of amateur veil of amateurism, like you can't do that. I, I agree. But, uh, I was just pointing out there's technically nothing stopping them, really, I don't believe, unless I'm not, uh, unless there's something I don't know. No, from there's doing no rules it, stopping them from look. doing it.
0: It would just, it would end um, any support they have left. In fact, it would go the other direction. They would have extreme opposition to end uh, their current rule structure that protects them from further compensating athletes. And on that note, Because anytime we bring this up, and and we may do it too much, and it's a debate, one of those debates where people, like, you draw a line and people are never going to cross it. However, anytime the athlete-should-get-paid conversation comes up, you get the same response, the same tired response. It's, oh, well, they should just be happy with a scholarship, or I wish that I didn't have student loans. I wish I could have gone to school for free I'd have played football, but you weren't an athlete, so you don't have any value. Uh, a study from an economics professor at Ohio State said five star athletes uh have individual value of up to six hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year four star athletes on a team that only plays twelve games about ninety thousand dollars a year individually so the high profile college athletes an economics professor at a major wait, wait, university wait a say
1: that again why is there such a drop off between five and fours oh
0: uh, well because five stars are on better teams and better teams go to higher profile games and make more money. That's but, fair. And, and, and that's like, so the 650,000 is a team that basically makes the national championship game and a 12 games game season on average, based on, um, he used, uh, wins per player. So a five star, he, after doing all the algorithms, algorithms and stuff, found that a five-star player is worth, like, 0. 0.475 wins, and a four-star player is worth 0.2-something-five wins. And when a team went, he, he took wins and the money the program makes and did all the math stuff to, to come up with these numbers. Um, if a team doesn't make the playoffs, in a 12-game schedule, the five-star is worth about $200,000. The four-star is about $90,000. And it changes, of course, because you have a five-star that sits the bench, not as valuable Four-star that starts, more valuable. So there are variables in the equation, but basically the five-star that starts in a 12-game season worth about 200 k They go to a high-level bowl game, up to $650,000. So you've got studies like this coming out. If you play the game without fans in the stands, you know how valuable the players are. It's more than just a scholarship. I mean, it, it's proven by a professor of economics. So... Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they can go down that road though because it'll expose everything.
1: Yeah, I think I agree as well. I don't think it'll happen, but it's it'll be interesting kind of how they try to and that'll just create more incentive for, you know, people with a bunch of money and people in powerful positions so to try to figure out some kind of treatment or some way to end, you know, what is kind of known as social distancing and at least get some people in the stands or get some people back or full stadiums or whatever the case may be. It's just going to further incentivize people to try to get fans in the stands because uh, I kind of are in the same mindset that I don't think they're going to play this thing without kids, without people in the stands. Just a weird, awful look. Uh, But, you know, I guess it hasn't stopped people. I mean, uh, pretending that college athletics is some pure thing run by, you know, people with the kids' best intentions in mind is silly at best. So I guess it wouldn't stun me if it happened. It's just, ooh, what a brutal look. But, yeah, so I don't know. it will be kind of fa- something fascinating to follow. We had one more mailback question that I skipped. Uh, we had one that said, what are your plans to watch slash cover the draft? I won't really do – Ole Miss isn't having very many people drafted, so probably just something quick on online about, like, who got drafted or whatever, but I'll just be like anyone else. Like, I'll be watching the – online feed or whatever I mean without sports going on and this being such a different time in the NFL I would probably am more interested in the draft than I have been in years past because the draft is you know about the players and where players go and where guys get drafted and now you have this kind of weird subplot of like the actual logistics of the draft and how they're going to pull it off so I find that fascinating as well
0: yeah, and now GMs will be sitting in a room uh, by themselves so hand raised guy can't exist <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is true as well. It's just it's, It'll be interesting to kind of see how they – I mean, I'm just thinking of the logistics of getting the pick in and how they decide on picks and how that affects teams and things like that. I'm kind of fascinated to watch that play out.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, I, I had a crazy idea yesterday. I know you're not a Saints guy, but, man, I don't think they should draft a quarterback this year. I, I was in on Jordan Love, but if he's still available then, I think you have more important positions of desperate need right now. Uh, linebacker being one. I think they need offensive line help for sure, Uh, An additional wide receiver, even though they just uh, signed a really good one. But um, Mason Fine from North Texas, if you can get him in the fifth or the sixth round, I mean, tell me if this sounds familiar. Really productive college quarterback, did not go to a big-name program, and height is a big concern. Yeah, I mean... Sounds a lot like the guy you got there right now. I mean, Mason finds like a 65% completion passer, doesn't throw interceptions, really good college quarterback, went to a – Purdue is very different than North Texas, don't get me wrong, but didn't go to a football factory, same height and weight.
1: Just saying, if he's there in the sixth round, you go take his ass. Yeah, that is interesting. I watched a couple of North Texas games through the years because, one, they beat the hell out of Arkansas – a couple, of, uh, they beat him once or twice. I don't remember. Whatever, but uh, I do know know of this kid. That's an interesting. Uh, and I wonder what the like. Like, I wonder on the on the flip side of that, like the early round kids, like they're kind of getting robbed of this experience of being able to go on the draft and like bear hug the commissioner and like their whole. I mean, they're basically being robbed of their whole draft night, which kind of sucks. That's kind of another side of this.
0: It really does suck, man. So that day, uh, North Texas beat Arkansas forty-four to. 17, uh, Mason fine through for two eighty one in Fayetteville.
1: Wow. That's uh, that's pretty strong. Yeah. Good kid, but any, uh, it, it's, it's a, but like, I just, I, I would like to find, I guess there's really not a way to do it, but just kind of retroactively find a way for these kids to like kind of have their on draft moment. But I guess that's just never going to happen. They'll have to settle for the millions in their bank account.
0: Yeah, I think I would take that right now. You can use it to buy more Twitter votes. I mean, that's what my Trump check is going to the second it gets in. Hopefully, it gets in before noon, uh, so I can use my stimulus money to uh, fund the Russian bot farm to buy more votes.
1: Yeah, I will be glad when this uh, when this poll is definitely over. Uh, is did we have anything else? Did we miss anything today? Kind of a light mailbag show, but that's just kind of the product of the times that we are currently in. I think we. Just I asked the question
0: got- yesterday by the way, on what pro sports franchise would uh, brand and sell face masks. It is the entire NBA. You can go to the NBA store right now and buy a team-branded face mask. And the proceeds are going to um, something... I forget what it's called, but like they are making and distributing masks for healthcare workers. So if you buy... uh, yeah, You have to either buy one or a set of three, but your money goes towards like actually getting masks to healthcare workers, I think. Um, so that's good. But yeah, it's the NBA. You can buy a team-branded face mask right now on the NBA store.
1: That's predictable, but also very smart in the fact that the proceeds are going to charity is a good thing. It's cool. I mean, you're going to need a bunch of masks, obviously. Like, there's. It seems like we're headed toward a time where if you go out in public, if you want all this to end and the shutdown's in, you're probably going to have to wear a mask in public. So... This is a good idea. I'm all dude. For I, it.
0: I ordered some. It was twenty bucks for three of them, so I I did it.
1: Uh, I am maskless yet, but I guess I might need to look into getting some. But that's interesting. Yeah, it's a uh, weird weird times that you're selling merchandise team specific masks uh, and, and at wild basketball. Stop there, selling these like wow, there is no NBA like to be had. Like you're not wearing these to games. So I guess at least not yet, but interesting times we're living in but i think that's about all we had today i'll remind you one more time go see greg lb's university avenue across from kroger i'm probably about to hop in the car and head and go see him because i want to throw something on the grill this weekend uh and enjoy some of the good weather but go see him he's got steaks custom cuts sausages the ribeye sausage is fantastic bacon wrapped filet is uh definitely a prime time choice but he's got uh daily specials he's got a couple ground beef dishes that you can cut, take home and heat up the meatloaf is awesome if you want to feed your family quickly and not have to worry about the hassle of curbside service or takeout or whatever or you want to save it for a day or two you can toss it in the fridge and cook it some other time but go see greg he's got all kinds of options he can feed you lb's university avenue the best place in mississippi to get meat um Borky and I will be back on the radio 3 to 6 this afternoon. We'll be back at it on Monday. Uh, If you liked what you heard today, like and subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review the podcast. Five stars. You can say whatever the hell you want in the comments section. Uh, But Borky and I will be back at it on Monday.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi media production.